hello and welcome back to the rockabye mama baby and toddler sleep podcast i'm katie owner of rockabye mama where i am on a mission to help parents get the sleep they need by helping their children get the sleep they need as a new mom i struggled with my daughter's sleep and i knew that that was going to happen i knew i was going to be tired i knew she wasn't going to be sleeping solidly through the night from night one but i did not anticipate how the postpartum anxiety and rage that I was experiencing were going to be worsened by the lack of sleep I was getting due to my daughter's lack of sleep. So now I am here to help share what I've learned after becoming certified and doing a ton of research so that you feel empowered to make choices that are right for your family, whatever they may be. Today, we're talking all about attachment and sleep. Okay, so when I became a mom, I'll admit that things like um, mom talk, like TikTok for moms, and Instagram for moms, and even Facebook mom groups, I had no idea what they were because they weren't on my radar. Why would they be? I had no... um, need for them. When I became a mom, I started looking for tips and advice on these different platforms. And so I would search by hashtags like hashtag new mom life or hashtag baby tips because I, man, I just felt so alone. I don't know if that was because that's how every mom feels Or if it's because it was um, right at the beginning of the pandemic when we really had to limit who was around our household and our baby. And I just really felt alone. And I will say that the one thing that truly saved me at times was having other people who were in the same stage of life that I was in to talk to. There were, there was one friend that I had who had a baby just, I don't know if it was a little before or after I had my daughter, but we would uh, message each other about things that we were going through, what our, our children were going through. And it was a saving grace at 3am when I was in the middle of a pumping session and I didn't like I was just sitting on my phone having someone else who was awake at that time message me and reaffirm everything I was going through it truly relieved a lot of that mental anguish that I was going through so I spent a lot of time on those platforms just being surrounded in this whole parenting universe, right? And I'm sure that if you're a parent, you've done some of that too. The extent of which doesn't truly matter because one thing that is very clear when you start diving into sleep or even parenting styles is that people are so freaking opinionated, which is great, but they, some people, attack other people who do not agree with them. And that is where I draw the line. And that is one thing I will never stand for is somebody attacking another parent because they don't agree with the parenting decisions they're making. I just cannot fathom how we have gotten to this place in our society where it's okay 
to bash another parent for the choices they're making for their child. Like, I get it if somebody is har- like putting their child in harm's way or it's just super dangerous and they aren't aware of it. Like, you know how sometimes people will post pictures of their kids in a car seat and the the chest clip is too low and moms like will comment like, oh my goodness, just FYI, the chest clip is a little low. That's fine. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people like degrading other humans and treating them like trash just because they don't agree with something. And I've seen this so much in the sleep space because people have come to my page and they've attacked me. Um, They've messaged me saying that I'm trash for certain things that I say when truly I'm just trying to help people. Like, what are you doing? You're just attacking people. You're not helping people. I'm just trying to help people. That's it. I don't care what you do when you're at home, whether you take my advice or not. That's okay. I'm not saying you have to. I'm not saying you're wrong if you don't. I'm just saying I want to give you tools so that you feel good about the choices you make. So sleep is one area where parents are super opinionated. And the other one is attachment and different parenting styles that are really prevalent in our society. Very, very early on, I saw that sleep training and attachment parenting were pitted against each other. It was like, it was impossible in some parents' mind for your child to have restful sleep, they can fall asleep independently, and at the same time, they have a secure loving attachment to their parents. It's like, oh, nope, they can't exist. It's one or the other. And that's just not true. So before we dive deeper into this, I want to define a few terms so that we're all on the same page. The first one is sleep training. Okay, I know that for some of you, when you hear sleep training, you get like a panic attack in your body because you can't imagine leaving your baby to cry to sleep. That's not sleep training. That is a method of sleep training that is called extinction, but that's not the whole embodiment of sleep training. Sleep training is when you help your child develop skills to fall asleep and stay asleep independently. So instead of rocking your baby to sleep, instead of feeding them to sleep, instead of pushing them in a stroller or driving around in a car to get them to fall asleep, you lay them down in their crib and they fall asleep on their own. Now, there are different methods for how you can do that. And I think once you get into the methods, then you can start to fine tune what you feel comfortable and what you don't feel comfortable with. And that's not what we're getting into today, but I do want to just have that umbrella term that sleep training is just helping your child develop skills to fall asleep and stay asleep independently. Does not matter what method you use. Truthfully, you could do a very gentle approach or you can do an extinction method. Doesn't matter. It's the same thing. The second term to define is attachment parenting. Attachment parenting is a parenting philosophy which is aimed at promoting the attachment of the baby and the parent, usually with an emphasis on responsiveness. Now, I do believe that just like with sleep training, how there's some misconceptions around it, 
I believe the same with attachment parenting. I believe people have misunderstood what this is and they use it very um, broadly when, and, and in turn, that just kind of confuses people. So attachment parenting is a very specific philosophy, which was coined in the 1980s, 1990s by American pediatrician William Sears. Now, this is a very specific style of parenting versus what I I do believe some people kind of put out on social media of like baby wearing and bonding with your child and spending time with your toddler and um, staying home from work or cooking together and just spending time with them. That's very different. That's not the same. Yes, that is forming a bond with them. Yes, that is physically being attached to them in, in some instances, but that's not truly what attachment parenting is. So I want to dive further into all of this, right? Attachment parenting does not seem like some ludicrous idea. I believe that when you look at attachment parenting, it's very instinctual. Everything about attachment parenting, at least for me, feels right. Like it feels like that's something that I would do as a parent. So where exactly did this divide come from between sleep training and attachment parenting? I believe it all stems back to that misunderstanding. People thinking that sleep training means cry it out or extinction where you leave your child in a room. Obviously, when they're crying and they're not being responded to, people say, well, you can't have attachment parenting because responding to your child is part of attachment parenting. However, as I mentioned, sleep training does not have to be cried out. You absolutely can respond to your child. You absolutely can stay in the room right beside your child while they fall asleep. So with that, I think the misunderstanding has really taken root. I want you to know that you absolutely can have the best of both worlds. You can have a child who falls asleep independently and you can have a child who is attached to you. You can follow attachment parenting if that's something that you you want to do. I think when parents learn about attachment parenting and they see Sears promotion of baby wearing and even co-sleeping, it's easy to start to associate that philosophy of attachment parenting with being attached, like physically mom and baby are attached because if you're wearing your baby all the time and you're even co-sleeping in the same bed with them, that you're attached to them. However, I think this is where that misunderstanding further takes root. When parents start to misunderstand the idea of attachment parenting and they apply it to sleep, it can start to look something like, you know, your baby wakes up early from a nap and they start crying. So you as a parent go in to pick up the baby and comfort her right away. Or in the middle of the night, your baby wakes up and right away you go in, you get out of bed and you pick up your baby. Or when you lay your child down for a nap, your child starts crying because they don't want to go to sleep in their crib. So you pick them back up and you decide that to prevent crying, you're just not going to let them take their nap today. You'll just, you'd rather let them skip their nap. I think in all of those situations, a parent truly has the best intentions. They want to be responsive to their child. 
But here's the thing. Being responsive doesn't have to equal being physically attached. Your child wakes up early and they start crying. Your child wakes up in the middle of the night or your child does not want to lay down and take a nap. You do not have to, in order to be responsive, you do not have to be physically attached to them. In fact, I think that when parents think they have to be physically attached to their child, they miss out on the other half of attachment parenting entirely. See, it's not only about warmth and responsiveness, but it's also about noticing when your child doesn't need your help and they're ready for new challenges. That is part of their learning and their development. That is a crucial piece in helping our children become confident in themselves and capable. I know, I know as a parent, you want to do everything for your child. You want to be there. You want to respond to them. And I do think that in many cases, that's appropriate. That's normal. That's fine. However, when your child is ready, you need to be aware of that because it's part of their development. You want them to feel secure. You want them to feel confident. You want them to be brave. That's going to require you to take a step back when your baby's ready. So how does that look? Now, in the beginning months, so in the newborn months, I think a parent absolutely can be over-responsive. And often they are, but I cannot fault a mom for being over-responsive because I was the same. So what does over-responsive look like? That is you staring at your baby's chest to make sure that they're still breathing. Or you wake up frantic because your baby slept longer than normal and you run over to make sure that they're okay. That is being over-responsive, okay? But that doesn't mean you're wrong for doing it because guess what? I did the same and I was on Amazon at 2 a.m. looking for devices that would monitor my daughter's breathing because I was so paranoid she was going to stop. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I do think it's important to be aware that, okay, these actions that I'm doing are a bit much and they're not sustainable and they're not going to help my child long term. So in the first few months, I think that's normal. I think it's okay. After those first few months, a child can begin to experience a little more independence because they have a strong, secure foundation. You have set a strong foundation for them. Now they're ready for a little more independence. So for young children, here's what that independence might look like. Maybe your child spends a little more time on the floor as they learn to sit, crawl, and walk. So instead of you holding them all day, every day, wearing them in the baby carrier constantly, you put them on the floor and they just kind of explore. Maybe your baby begins to stand up and they walk while holding onto furniture. So you're not necessarily following them around, making sure they are not falling. You're, you're there, you're watching them. You're ready, but they are kind of grazing along that furniture and you're a little off at a distance. More examples of independence are when your baby starts to self-feed with finger foods or even when they hold their own bottle. Maybe they just reach up and they grab their own bottle and they just want to hold it from now on. Those are more examples of independence. And then another one is... 
when your child is using a pacifier and it falls out of their mouth in the middle of the night or when they're going to sleep and they pick it up and they put it back in their mouth, right? So all of those examples are times when your child starts moving more towards being independent. And I don't want you to think about independent as they are self-sufficient. They don't need you. It just means they're able to do some things on their own. Now, I want you to imagine that while your child is learning these new skills, they're practicing this new independence, you immediately swoop in and do what they're trying to do. So instead of letting them fall down while learning to walk, because you don't want them to, you know, stumble, you just decide you're going to carry them everywhere. Or instead of letting them hold their own bottle because they've dropped it a time or two before, you just decide, nope, I'm going to hold it for them forever because I don't want them to drop it. Imagine that. How would your child ever learn those skills? How would they ever learn to walk? How would they ever learn to hold their bottle if you never gave them the chance to do that on their own? Yes, attachment parenting does include responsiveness. But a bigger part of that is creating a secure environment that allows your child to practice independence. So now that we're hopefully on the same page that part of attachment parenting is helping our children become confident and comfortable to start practicing independence and we know that being independent is part of their development, How can sleep training and attachment parenting actually work together? So in the first few months, as I mentioned, your baby relies on you. They rely on you for everything. They rely on you to soothe them if they're upset, to feed them, to change their diaper. That is how trust is built. However, you can start to pass the job of soothing from you to your child. And that is absolutely a part of attachment theory. Just like passing the job of feeding your baby, it goes from you to your baby. Maybe they hold their bottle and then slowly they're going to start eating finger foods, even though they might be clumsy with that at first. And then they're going to start using a spoon or they'll try to use a spoon. Um, and then they'll use your, you know, their hands to just shovel food in their mouth and that spoon isn't working for them. It is the same with sleep. So let's talk about how that will look. In the first four months or so, your job is to respond to your baby's needs. You can use any method that you want to soothe your child when it's time for them to sleep or when they're upset. You can hold them, you can feed them, you can rock them, push them in a stroller, you can lay them on your chest while y'all do a contact nap. During this time period, your child is learning to trust you and to trust their world. So nothing is off limits. And I do want to say, I know some people say like, oh, you're going to spoil your baby if you do that. And that is just not a thing. During the newborn age, there is no such thing as spoiling your baby. That's just not going to happen. Babies need our warmth. They need our touch. And when we are the ones to soothe them, it builds a sense of confidence. That's the very base of attachment parenting. Now, after the first four months, your baby is starting to become more ready to take that initiative in their sleep. So you can gradually begin to give them more independence. Maybe you lay them down in their crib instead of holding them to sleep. 
Or maybe you allow them to comfort themselves by sucking their fists instead of nursing them to sleep. Now, as long as you know they're full and satisfied and they don't need to eat, it's okay if you decide not to feed them to sleep. It's okay to let them suck on their finger or their fist or even a pacifier if that works for you. It's the small step of giving your child more independence that allows them to learn how to fall asleep on their own. Now, I want you to notice I did not say that you needed to leave your baby on their own to cry. I didn't say that. You can still respond to them. You can still pick them up if needed. But take a small step one day. A small step. And then the next day, take another small step. And then the next day, another. You do not have to start this whole process of helping your child sleep independently by putting them in their crib and walking out. You don't. Now, for some babies, that works for them. For others, it doesn't. And I know for most parents, that just doesn't feel good for you. So you don't have to do that. Start with baby steps. Instead of rocking your baby to sleep, you're going to hold them. Then, after they've gotten used to not having that constant movement as they fall asleep, you're going to lay them down on the bed next to you while they fall asleep, and then you transfer them to their crib. When they get used to laying down on a bed to fall asleep, then you're going to put them in their crib and let them fall asleep on their own, but you're going to stay right next to them with your hand on their chest. Then you're going to take it a step further and you're going to remove your hand and you're going to sit there next to them. You can literally go as slow as you want. You can. Absolutely, that's fine. Now, I do. Now I know there's going to be some of you who are like, oh my gosh, Katie, that sounds miserable. I do not want to do that. I do not want to take baby step, baby step, baby step. And that's fine. You don't have to. There are definitely other sleep training methods that move a little quicker and you can see that progress faster if that's something that works for you. But I want you to keep moving toward independence while being loving and supportive and your child will thrive in all areas of their life. So there you have it. I hope that now you have a better understanding of what sleep training is, that you're not letting misconceptions infiltrate the true definition, which is just helping your child independently sleep. And you know a little more about attachment parenting, which is being responsive to your child, but also learning when it's time to give them more independence. It's not a bad thing for your child to be independent. I'm not advocating that you never need to provide for your child or that they don't need you as they grow up. Your child is always going to need you. I always need my mom. But as your child grows, there's going to be moments where they need independence. It makes sense for their development. And you giving them those opportunities is going to help them in many areas of their life. Now, if you know that you need to get started or you want to get started it just it would make a huge difference in your family's life for you to help your child get the sleep they need we talked a lot about how you can take baby steps how you can take tiny tiny steps in a direction to get to where you ultimately want to go which is for for some putting your baby in the crib and being able to leave without um, just leaving them there But there are so many different methods that you can use. And I have a podcast episode that talks about those different methods. So if that's something you're interested in, just scroll back and find that episode. 
I also have a blog on my website where I talk all things baby sleep. We talk about common challenges that I've seen working one-on-one with families. I answer frequently asked questions that I get all the time. So be sure to check that out. And then lastly, if you need more one-on-one guidance, I do work one-on-one with families and we can partner together to make a plan of action that one, you feel comfortable implementing and two, that's going to actually see results. So if that's something you're interested in, you can just message me on Instagram. so thankful that you've tuned in today however you found me whether you came from social media or you just found me here on whatever podcast app you're listening on I am so thankful I really want to empower you to make choices that are right for you that are right for your family because at the end of the day it doesn't matter what anyone else says or thinks what matters is that you're living a life and parenting your child in a way that feels authentic and true to who you are. So thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to follow me on Instagram or Facebook, whatever your preference is at Rockabye Mama. I will see you all next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Sweet dreams, y'all. Mm-hmm.